Hey, good morning. Uh, welcome to Live Oak. We've been in this series called Vintage, hanging on to the things we can't give up. Now, there are some things in my house that I can't give up, but it's not vintage. It's just old. It's not in anymore. And that's really what vintage means. It's always in. Another way to, word we could use is it's timeless. Think of clothes, think of cars, things like that. It's, there's some things that are just timeless. And so what we're not talking about are clothes and cars, though. We're talking about the church, this group of people that follow Jesus together and the practices we do collectively and individually as disciples of Jesus. And we're looking at the early church, the first expression of the first followers of Jesus, of what did they think was what it meant to follow Jesus together and what should always be in. A lot's changed in 2,000 years. We started off with the commission that Jesus gave his followers to go and make disciples, to be one and to make some. And this thing we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples. And a disciple, we define it as an apprentice of Jesus who becomes more like Jesus. So what Jesus tells you is to be a disciple and go make disciples. Be an apprentice, a learner of Jesus, and, then become, and he will help you become more like him. And then go help others do the same thing. That's what we're supposed to do collectively and individually. And then we started looking at these practices the early church did in Acts chapter 2 and other passages of what were the things they did then that seemed to be really, really important. And one of the marks of the early church, it was such an indicator of the early church that not only did Christians describe themselves this way, but people who were kind of trying to stop the movement of Christianity, the Roman Empire, they noticed this and said, whatever they believe and whatever they're doing, even though we don't like it, we're not sure we trust it, they are 100% absolutely generous. They were just so generous and caring. And last week we talked about this idea that what I do with my money honors God, changes me, and impacts others. But we made a careful distinction of what, what the Bible teaches us about our money is this. It's not our money. It's his money. What I do with his money, we have the opportunity to honor God. It will change us, and money will change you one way or the other. Whether you have a lot or a little, it will change you. So how you handle your money, and it impacts others through generosity. We talked about that. Well, this week we want to talk about this. It's not just money. It's what I do with everything he has given me can honor God, it can change me to be more like Jesus, and it can impact others. And, and some of us fall in different camps on this. Like if all of a sudden someone just all of a sudden gave you a big check with a lot of money, you would have some kind of reaction. It might be like, what's the catch or whatever, but let's say all of a sudden you got Whatever money seems like, it'd be not like overwhelming, like novelty-sized check, like, you know, I hope my relatives don't find out I just got this money. Not that kind of money, but enough money where you thought, hey, I could go do something I've been wanting to do for a long time, but I just didn't have the money. Well, all of a sudden you have it, whatever you want. Would that be more meaningful, or would it be more meaningful if all of, them, all of a sudden your boss, your teacher, your family said, hey, you've got three days. Go do whatever you want. We'll take care of things here. You've got three days. Like if all of a sudden, if you got a big chunk of time or a big chunk of money, which one moves your needle the most? Who says money? You guys are greedy. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's, that was a really mean thing to do. Who says time? Looks like more, but I think everyone was nervous about the money thing because it felt like a trap, and then I did that. Like, 
what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Like, like something, something about money and time, the Bible uses the same words. We use the same words to describe both. I budget my time. I spend my time. Oh, I'm saving some time right now. Because I think down deep, what we realize is at certain points, I can sell something to earn some extra money. I can cut back on some things to earn some, earn some extra money. And I can do the same thing with my time. But really, 24 hours in a day, except for today. We got an extra hour of sleep last night. Confession time. Confession was a practice of the early church. A couple confessions. First is this. How many of you went to bed an hour early and got an extra hour of rest? How many of you binge-watched something or you just did something else for the time? You spent it a different way. Like, you got an extra hour. Yeah, most of us, yeah. So even if you got the extra time, we're just just going to, we're not going to, like, use it for rest or whatever. Here's another confession thing. I I thought about this with my family yesterday. Totally off topic. How many of you have already listened to more than one Christmas song by choice? As your pastor, you are the godly among us. You are setting an example of what it looks like. You are teaching us what it means to be wise and godly in this world. We actually, yesterday, were programming the Christmas stations on, on XM radio, series, whatever it's called now, uh, on our satellite radio. And, I, and my wife was, was kind of pushing back a little bit. I was like, so it's not okay to celebrate the birth of Jesus any day of the year? And, and so she didn't appreciate that, but you have the pastoral blessing to listen to Christmas music. Who says you should wait till after Thanksgiving? We'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. All right. So the early church said, it's not just time. It's not just money. It's everything. Because really, if you think about it, everything you've been given, it comes from God. Like, one of the prayer habits I've developed, sometimes you just kind of say the same things over and over in prayers, because it's like a, just a, you know, it's meaningless. Like, to me, a very meaningful thing I try to purposely say in a lot of my prayers is, God, thanks for today. I recognize it's a gift from you. Thank you. And I want to give it back to you as an act of worship. Because I do that because I know my tendency to kind of just spend time carelessly and not meaningfully. What you do with money and what you do with time, what you do with everything God's given you is an act of worship. It can honor God. How you spend your time and invest your life and handle anything God's entrusted to you, it will change you one way or the other, and it can impact others. And as we think about that with time, I want to think about something else that God's given you, because there was this practice of the early church. The way they kind of handled this, the practice that kind of kept them centered was this act of serving. It was a central mark of the early church of serving others. But it's not just about what you do with your time. It's what you do with something else that's part of this everything that he's given you. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4, it says this. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. See, when you're a follower of Jesus, you're not our only child. You're in a family. And he uses that idea of family a lot, but one of the word pictures he uses a lot in the Bible is this idea of a body. And we are different pieces of the body that all work together to accomplish the desire of who's in charge, which is Jesus. And in verse six, it says this, we have different gifts 
according to the grace given to each of us. God's given you something unique in your life. He's gifted you something that's your contribution to the body. You are uniquely different. And your difference makes a difference. So figuring out how you're different, gifted by God to be different, is important because that's your contribution to the body. And if the arm doesn't know it's an arm and tries to live as a foot or just kind of hangs there and doesn't contribute, something is off about the body. One of the ways I learned this in practical terms uh, several years ago is I read a book called Chess Not Checkers. It's a leadership book by a guy named, I think his name is Mark Miller. He does leadership development for Chick-fil-A. He's done it for years. And he kind of uses this example of, of chess. And so if you've ever played chess before, this is what the board looks like. And it's similar to a, a checkers board, but it's not checkers. It's different because in, che- in checkers, all the pieces are the same. The board's the same, and all the pieces are the same. There's just two different colors, yours and the other team's. And you kind of just move them around, and you jump, and you do stuff like that. But chess is very, very different. The pieces on, of chess all have different roles. And so you've got, you know, the two different teams, but then you've got the pawn. Anyone play chess in here? Okay. Pawn, and we're gonna, just going to go... On the black side, we're going to go that side to this side. Pawn, and then it's the, 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 they all have different parts, functions. They move differently. The pawn can move one space in one, you know, in one direction or diagonally, right? It can move, no, it's, when it's capturing, it can go diagonally. And then, but it's initial move, it can go two, but after that, it's just as one. The king can also move only one, but that's the one you're trying to protect the whole time. And then you've got the knight, and it can go like, like an L shape, right? Right? And then you've got the, uh, that's the horsey thing, and this is the uh, little castle thing. And uh, what's it called? The, the rook. And it can go straight lines as far as, like it all has different pieces. And but they all work together to the one goal. And each piece is different. And the thing is, what, what, what you need to know is you are created different. We're not all the same in terms of our contribution to the body. And I want you to look at somebody next to you, if you know them, and look at them, look them in the eye and say, you are different. I just said, say, you are different. There's no other commentary. You don't need to tell them how. Don't do that. Don't do that. We should talk about love one another or something sometime. Good night. Hey, you got personal there. Here's the thing. Any one of the king is the piece you're trying to protect. But any piece can take down the king, even the pawn. Any piece can play a significant contribution. And all together, they all work together to accomplish their purposes. So I read this book and I was inspired to go learn chess. And I may be tipping my hand here when I say, What's this horsey thing called? Like, I didn't get very far in that process. I want to be a good chess player. I, I go to counseling every other week, just full disclosure, and my counselor, he said, he goes, I bet you're a good chess player. Because like a strategy, I'm always thinking like three moves ahead in life. I can't play chess to save my life. Like I, I cannot, for whatever reason, I cannot do it. But I tried. And one time, my wife and I were in New York City and we went to Bryant Park and they had this setup where all these people play chess there. And some of them, like they hustle. Like, like they, uh, I don't mean work hard, right? Like they, like, like, that, like, there's money exchanged or whatever, but I was like, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a novice. I'm a beginner. I need to take a class for beginners. And so I saw this deal 
that at, at like 2 p.m. on Thursday, there's a class instruction for beginners, and it's only beginners. So I thought, well, that's for me. So I show up to the class, and it's me and four other people, and they were all kids. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And then this was our instructor. I can't remember his name, but he was the instructor, and he paired up you, you two kids and you two kids, and then you'll play me. I'm like, well, that doesn't really seem fair because, like, you're the guy teaching the class, and I'm sitting at the reserve for beginner's table, but you're not a beginner. But I'm like, what am I going to do? And it, honestly, if there was another kid there, I would like to say I would have been humble and let him win, but I honestly think he would have beat me. Like, I'm just not that good at it. So I sit down with this guy, the instructor, and I play him. He's played his whole life. He beat me in six moves. And I thought, oh, this is discouraging. Where's the teaching in all this? And he says, okay, let's play again. And he goes, this time, I'm going to help you out a little bit. I'm like, all right. So I would go to do this, and he goes, uh, 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 okay. uh, uh, uh. And then he'd be like, so he did that. It was eight moves the second time. Like, I, even with that, like, he just, he just took me. He gave me some help, but the result was the same. And here, here's the thing I learned. One, a key thing about this, you need to know, much like chess pieces, you're unique, and you have unique function that the others don't, and every single one contributes to the end of the game. But here's the thing I learned with this guy. Any piece in the hand of a master is very, very effective. In, what, in my hands, not so much. But in his, it was very effective. And the thing is, whatever God has gifted you, however you're unique, whatever difference you have, it makes a difference best when you place it in the hands of Jesus. He's given this gift to you. Your act of worship to say, God, this is how you've made me unique. I'm giving it back to you as an act of worship. And I believe it will change me to be more like you. And I know you're going to use this to impact others. And every piece contributes. Going on in verse 6, he says, We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encourage, if it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What he says here is not just the what. Like, if this is your uniqueness, do that. Like, whatever it is, that's your contribution. Go do that. But also, in some of it, he kind of gives an attitude that's a part of it. Do it cheerfully. Do it willingly. Do it diligently. There's something about what you have and how you do it that makes all the difference in the world. Really, it makes all the difference in eternity. Because it's not a game that God's playing. You're not just a pawn in this game he's playing. You're a valuable piece in his kingdom as he's trying to help you become more like Jesus and use you to help others do the same. And your contribution is unique. This isn't the only time that the Apostle Paul uh, gives us a list of spiritual gifts. There's several other places. Romans 12, it gives a list where we are right now. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4. The thing is, on all these lists, none of them are exhaustive. And a lot of them are a little bit different. And in other places, he mentions some other gifts here or there. And what you get the idea is, is it's not limited to a list. But there are some things that we have in common. And some of these gifts, like if it's serving, then serve. If it's giving, then it's give. There are some things that some people are uniquely gifted to do something above and beyond and do something unique. 
But all of us are called to serve. All of us are called to give. But some of us just have this gifting to do it in a way that's unique and it inspires others and it contributes at a different level. Well, how do you actually understand how you're gifted? Here's one of the things that I've kind of known that I've tried to do in my life and see if it might help you. One is you try to know what your gift is. Have you ever asked God, God, if I'm created uniquely, gifted by you, can you just give me some wisdom to understand how you've gifted me? Help help me know my gift and know my gifts. Well, here's, I think, one of the best ways to know your gift. And also, I would say the second thing is to use and develop your gifts. And I think gifts are best discovered and also developed when they're being used. One, because other people say, hey, I see in you something unique. I see this in you for whatever reason. When you give and you're generous, it inspires me. When you teach, I understand. When you encourage, it makes me want to move forward in my faith. There's something about your gift that people can see it in you, and then it helps you understand, this is who I am uniquely created to be. It's also how it's developed. Here's one of the ways, if you just want to know what your gift is, here's what I think you should do. Dive in this pool. Not that one specifically, but like, that's, that's kind of the example that helps me. Like, if you want to know what your gift is, find something like, I think it might be teaching. I think it might be encouraging. I think it might be showing mercy. Whatever it is. Find an opportunity that allows you to do that. Jump in the pool and do it. If you ever learned to swim, eventually you got in the water. That's why you just didn't know how to swim, but you actually learned, hey, I can actually swim. And for many of us, we jumped in the water and we started swimming and we realized, hey, I've got a unique contribution to the kingdom of God. I think this is how he gifted me. And you start getting better at it the more you swim around and use your gift. But for some of us, we tried this and we go, I think it's teaching. And we jumped in the pool and we realized, nope, it's not teaching. <laughs> Like, people walked away going, I know less now than I did when you started. Some of you may say that today. But the idea is when that happens, we thought, man, that was kind of disappointing. That didn't go so well. So we get out, we climb out of the the steps, we sit by the pool, and we just live out our day sitting by the pool, watching others use their gifts, but never fully discovering and developing and using ours. If you've tried to discover your gift by jumping in and serving and it didn't go well, don't sit in the chair by the pool. Go around to the diving board again and give it another try and think, hey, maybe this is my gift. See, together is better than alone. And so one of the keys is to use your gifts with others. Because when we're with others, other people might say, hey, actually, I think that might be your gift. It's the first time it didn't go so well, but I see in you something unique. It may take numerous dives to land on what your gift is, but I know that using, helping others, having others involved can identify in you something unique. So when you use your gifts with others, you're part of this team, this togetherness. And one of the common themes of the Bible is together is always better than alone. And you are called to be part of the team, not to be apart from the team. And that's actually one of the keys to helping you understand and develop your unique gifting is to do this with others. And once you figure out what your gift is, develop it and use it. The other thing is to help others find their gift and use their gifts and to do that in community. I remember there's something about the idea of discovering spiritual gifts. Like when I grew up, like one of the common ways it's done, and people still do it today, and sometimes it's effective. Sometimes they have these online assessments that you take an online assessment, and it says your spiritual gift might be, and it tells you what it is. 
And those can be helpful. But the best insight I ever got was somebody said, I see something in you. And it was somebody who knew me. Or someone that says, you know what? I think it might be, it might be this. That's one of the reasons I think if you're in a small group and you've been together for a long time, especially if you serve together, they might be the best spiritual gift assessment around because they know you. Go to your friends, your family and say, hey, what do you see in me that could be my unique gifting and contribution to what God's doing in the world? Because sometimes others see it in us before we see it in us for different reasons. But when you use your gift with others, one, it gives insight into your gift from others, but also it makes possible something that couldn't exist if you were just serving by yourself. And the thing is about the gift, it's not yours. It's his. And he's entrusted it to you. And the thing is, what he says is, I'm giving you a gift. And then I'm giving you as a gift to others. I remember when Jennifer and I first got married, we just celebrated our 22nd anniversary on Friday. And when we first got married, uh, right before that, we were going to wedding showers, right? And I'm an only child. Shocker. And I remember, like, the first experience at a wedding shower, and Jennifer held up a gift and said, look what we got. Whoa, I had never heard that before as an only child. Look what we got. If we got gifts as a kid, it was a family gift, and it was usually like a fruitcake or a turkey or something. It was like, that's good, but it wasn't really, really cool. And then all of a sudden, look what we got. And suddenly I realized, hey, this gift isn't for me. It's for us. That's what happens when you are given a spiritual gift. When you discover what it is, we should all look at you and say, I see that in you, and say, look what we got. You've got a gift that's going to make our life as followers of Jesus, serving Jesus, helping others know Jesus, better. You're going to advance the kingdom because of your gift, because you are the gift. And our job is to help others find and use their gifts. That's part of making disciples. In Ephesians 4, Paul talks about this. He says, so Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, these different roles people play. And here's why. Every role, there's something unique. It's to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, one of the thing, best things we can do for each other is equip each other in our unique gifting and our unique contribution. That's the role of the staff, of anybody we hire at Live Oak. We don't hire doers. We hire people who are equippers. Your job is to equip others. It's a multiplier effect. But it's not just staff. It's anybody at Live Oak. You have the opportunity to equip others, especially if you're in any kind of leadership role. Our job is to equip his people to do the work of God so that the body of Christ may be built up in unity and maturity. And the thing is, all of us play a role in this. This is the third time I've, I've done this quote, but I don't want to put it on screen this time. Because like anybody else in this room, if you read this, you might kind of go, all right. But for me, like it calls me out by my job title, a senior pastor. I read this quote from this guy named Dwight Edwards, who's a friend of a friend. And he said, hey, you ought to read this book. And I read this quote. I thought, wow, isn't this amazing how different the church is now than it was then? And there's a timeless principle that I think the church has lost sometimes. Dwight Edwards, he wrote this in his book, Game Changing Christianity. The position of senior pastor never existed for the first 300 years. 
We always had a plurality of leaders, elders, deacons and deaconesses, but never one single individual who became the premier, premier teacher, shepherd, and vision caster for the church. Gifted older men and women shared the teaching and shepherding responsibilities while everyone else was either being discipled or making disciples. Usually it was both. That was the early church. That should be vintage. That should be timeless. That's why we have a plurality of leadership here. We have elders. We have staff. I view Mark, the executive pastor, as a co-senior pastor. There's a plurality of leadership, and all of our job is to equip and disciple others. And the thing is, the early church, there wasn't a distinction between paid and volunteer. We were all part of the body of Christ, and we all had a role to play. The timeless principle is you have a unique contribution to the body of Christ here or wherever it is you call this place church, which is not a building, it's not an activity, it's a group of people who follow Jesus together. And if we don't follow him together and serve together, the body is disjointed. And if we don't turn to each other and say, I see in you, I want to help equip something in you, I want to fan into flame something, I see God doing in you. If we don't do that, the body will be limited in terms of its contribution to what God can do. So he says in, in Romans 12, 6, we all have different gifts. And what I would challenge you to do is use your difference to make a difference. God gives gifts to his people. He's given you something. And we all say, look what we got when we discover it. He gives gifts to his people, then he gives his people his gifts. And you will never know what God can do with what you have until you put it in his hands. Just discovering it is the start of the journey. Because then you develop it and you deploy it and you use it together. And whatever your gift, whatever your ability, what I want you to know more than anything else, the track record of how God uses people is this. Your availability is greater than your ability. That's what matters more. When you make what you have available to God, he uses it, he multiplies it, he joins it with others, and it makes a difference. You are the gift. He's given you a gift, but really, you are the gift. The first followers of Jesus, it's lost on us, but they had this mind-shifting, image-shifting, paradigm-shifting idea of who they were as followers of Jesus. They had grown up in a system of priests and temples and this worship practices that were so different than what we do today. There were some things that were not timeless because of Jesus. Jesus became the sacrifice, so we don't make sacrifices. Everything they did was to point to the idea that there would be a Messiah, a once and for all sacrifice. They had these priests that was a go-between, a mediator between God and man, and now Jesus says, I am the great high priest. I am the mediator, and in me, you have access to the Father. And suddenly they had this image of who they were and what their contribution was to what God was doing in the world. And Peter, one of the 12 disciples, said it this way, talking to a group of people like us, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That's lost on us of how significant it was for them. A holy nation, God's special possession, God's special gift that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. They said, this is who we are together. I'm a child of God, and this is all true of me. And so what they recognize in this timeless principle of what they believed is what I do with everything he has given me, money, time, gifting, relationships, 
It all is from God, and it's all for him. And when I use my life, and I hold it with an open hand, and I receive it and say, God, thank you, and I give it back to him as an act of worship, it honors God, it changes me, and it impacts others. And one of the things that we know, we really believe to be true, is I think when you serve using however, whatever opportunity, gifting, influence you have, when you serve that, it, it impacts others, but it grows your faith. And if you want to grow a faith that loves Jesus, serve others. So some on-ramps that we have to do that here is there's a role for you here. And if there's not, sometimes we create roles. Have you ever seen the movie The Three Amigos? Anyone ever seen that? It was a spoof. I don't know, a lot of people don't know this. It was a spoof on The Magnificent Seven. It was one of my all-time favorite movies. They redid it recently. I like that too. But it was a spoof on this idea uh, of the, of the uh, Three Amigos. was a spoof on The Magnificent Seven. And they come there, and, and at the end, I think it was Martin Short's character, Ned Niederlander. There's a, there's a Ned Niederreiter who plays for the uh, Minnesota Wild hockey team, and so I always mess up their names. That's really not important right now. Okay, so, so Martin Short's character has this line. He goes, what do we have? Like, what, what, what can you guys do? Like, the bad guys are all coming. A big gang of bad guys are coming to take over the town. What can you do? Like, what's your unique contribution? They go, we can sew. Hmm, okay. Hmm. And they decide, what do we do? So they... they Man, they take that unique contribution, they turn it around, and it helps them beat the villain, El Guapo. Not a timeless movie, apparently. Sorry. It helps me. It helps me wrap my head around it. Anyway, whatever you have, sometimes it's like, I'm not sure what to do with that at first. God does. And you need to be around some people that can say, I see in you something. And then say, hey, here's a way I can jump in the pool and discover and develop my gift. And if it doesn't work, get out and line up again and dive in again. We're challenging the staff probably more in the last week uh, and this coming week, previous staff meeting, of, of we've got to be clear on our job is to equip you to understand how God has gifted you as his unique special gift and help deploy that well and honor you well in the gifting he's entrusted to you as you seek to honor him. So you can uh, look for more there, sign up there, and again, as we've said with every one of these practices, it's all theory unless you put it into practice. And it doesn't become real until it shows up on your calendar. So what will you do either to discover your gift or deploy your gift? To use your difference to make a difference. What will you do? How will you do it? When will you do it? If it shows up on your calendar, that's when it really gets deployed. Jesus had this idea, if we're going to become more like Jesus that we are to be a servant of all. And I think one of the ways you do that is you use your gifting, but also anytime somebody walks in front of you, if you can serve them, our job, if we're gonna become more like Jesus, we become a servant of all. That's who Jesus was. There's a big difference between serving and being a servant. Serving is I decide when, where, who, and how. But if I take the identity of being like Jesus, who is a servant of all, that's just serving. If I'm just serving, I choose when, where, who, and how. I control it. But if my identity is a servant of God and others, because of his unique gifting and calling on my life, which I think he has on everybody who's a believer, if my identity is now as a servant of God and others, it doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter when. It's all about the why. That I'm a servant of God, and if I'm going to be more like him as his disciple... And if I'm going to be an apprentice who learns to be like Jesus and he makes me more like him, I will become more others-focused. 
Serving does that for us. It's catalytic to our faith, and it honors God, and it changes us to be more like him, and it makes a difference by contributing to the body that impacts others. Let's stand for closing prayer. Heavenly Father, you've created each of us to be very unique. We're different. Some of that difference is our wiring at creation with our personality, with our talent. And then spiritually, when we give our life to you and you give your life to us, you give us this unique gifting. It's our contribution, and every single one of us is unique and different. Help us to know our difference so we can make a difference. Put us around people who can speak wisdom into our lives and say, I see something in you. And God, this gift that you've given us, we give it back to you and say, it's a gift from you and we're grateful for it. We offer it back as, a, back as an act of worship. How do you want us to develop and deploy it? And we do that with our time. Every day is a gift from you and we're grateful for it. We're thankful. And I pray we use this day to serve you and to take a next step by faith to serve as part of the body here. Give us wisdom of how to do that and the courage to take a step. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to talk, we'll be down at the front.